Hello, friends. This is Seth from Engage Podcast. Hope you're doing good. Before we get into today's episode, I just have a few reminders and announcements to give to you. The first one being, if you haven't done this already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button to wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. So if you're listening to this on Apple, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to this on Spotify, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening to this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button button. Why? Because when you hit that button, every Thursday when we come out with a new episode of Engaged Podcast, you'll be the very first one notified. Meaning, when you wake up on Thursday, on the uh, screen of your phone is going to be a notification that says, Engaged has a new episode. Click here to listen to it now. How cool is that? You don't have to search us. You don't have to look up, you know, you don't have to look for it. It will be right there on your phone waiting for you. So we can be the first thing that you listen to or maybe the last thing you listen to. I don't know, but it will be right there for you. So hit that button. Make it easy on yourself. Also, if you haven't yet, check out our YouTube uh, channel. If you don't know how to get there, there's a link for you down in the show notes. Click it. It'll take you right there. Currently right now, uh, we just announced we're doing a, um, a campaign where when you subscribe to our YouTube channel, your name gets put into like a random hat. And from now until the end of August, so the end of the summer, we're taking in all those names. So if you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel, your name gets put into this magic hat. And at the end of August, we're going to pull a name from that hat. And if the person lives within the area, meaning they can drive to us, they can they can actually come here. If that applies to you, you that means that you're going to have a chance to be on our show. That's right. If you hit subscribe and you live in the local area, you can actually be a guest on this show. You could share your story. You can tell us about your life. We want to hear from you. So hit that button and come on the show. If you don't live in the area and you win... Me and Anthony will send you one of his favorite books with our names signed in the back of it. I don't know if that's going to be any value in the future, but hey, our names are in there. And I'm sure we'll leave a little message for you too. So uh, hit that button. You have nothing to lose, only something to gain. You either be on the, the podcast show or you'll get a free book. And who does not like free stuff, right? So do that. It's going to be awesome. Also, if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, Come to our outside services every Sunday at 11 a.m. As I said last week, and I'll say it again, um, it, these outside services are fantastic. I was not a fan of going outside. I just There's something about doing church outside didn't seem appealing to me. I didn't see sitting in cars and sitting in lawn chairs as being like, okay, eh, I, I prefer to just go back into church. But I will be the first one to say... I was greatly, greatly mistaken. These outside services are so much fun. I, I look forward to them every single Sunday. Um, in fact, everyone has had such a great time with these tailgate services, outside services, drive-in services, whatever you want to call them. That I, I think we're going to we're going to continue it for as long as we possibly can. COVID nineteen or no COVID nineteen, um, er, er, everyone's loving it. So Sunday, eleven a.m. here at Faith Presbyterian Church in Hermitage, Pennsylvania. Come check it out. If you're going to be visiting, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see your face. Um, So that's Sunday, 11 a.m. in the back parking lot of the church. So I think I got everything. Yes. Yes, I got everything. All right. So now that I got all of that out of the way, now we can get to the fun stuff. My guest today is a great individual. I was so glad 
to have him finally on the show. I've been wanting to interview him. I've been wanting to talk to him. I had so many questions to ask him. He is the one, the only Chris Fry. And if you don't know who that is, he is the mayor, the newly elected mayor of Newcastle, Pennsylvania, where I live, about 20 minutes south of Hermitage, which is where we're currently recording this podcast. Um, he's a great individual. He shares his story about how he ran for mayor and how it, it really was a underdog story. And um, I didn't know even half of the stuff that he shared in overall by the end of it. I, I was, it was like with uh, Russ Penn. I felt so encouraged. I, I, I just wanted to go run a mile and that's saying something coming from me. Like he was, uh, he, he was a fantastic guest. So give it up for my friend, Chris Fry. back to our engaged podcast. This is Anthony Cloditis, pastor of Faith Presbyterian Church. We are here with Chris Fry, the mayor of Newcastle, in our special limited edition series, Leader to Leader. And as always, we've got Seth Walters, Hello. the professional sidekick and assistant <laughs> sitting here. How are you, Seth? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Are you? Yeah. Why are you excited? Because of our special guest, man. The one and only Chris Fry. <laughs> All right, Chris. How's it going? It's going good, guys. Thanks for having me here. It's a Hi. pleasure and uh, honor to sit in your presence. All right. We feel the same way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so are you a summer guy? I'm not a summer guy. I was telling Seth this when I was walking in. This heat absolutely kills me. I I like the fall. Okay. 70, 75, 80 degree weather. This stuff is it's It's, it's not your thing. Yeah. Really? It's not my thing at all. But if I was at the beach, that's another story. Okay. But day-to-day dressing up <laughs> right. is... Well, especially dressing up. There's yeah. nothing worse than being in the heat in, like, a suit. Yeah. Nothing worse than that. That is true. Yeah. So... I'm a, I'm a June baby, and I'm kind of digging the 90s. I, I, I'll, I would keep this weather all year if I could. I do like fall. Mm-hmm. I, I love fall. But if I could just eliminate winter, then then I'd be okay. I'll take I'll take winter and fall. Really? Yeah. Seth, I have a feeling you're vibing over there that you you feel the same way as Chris. My thing is is that I love I love 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 the heat. I hate the humidity. Okay. So like with the week we've had is perfect for me because it's like heat, heat. Oh, not okay. a lot of humidity though. But like like if if I could, I would live in like Florida. Probably probably not Florida. I would live somewhere in like like California, like L.A., San Diego. Mm-hmm. That'd be my choice, but. Yeah, I, I go for like Alaska, Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> no heat for me. <laughs> I've been to Alaska. It's cold there. It's very cold there. I am miserable in the heat. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm, I came here looking all you know, st- st- trying to be a stud, you know. But I'm I'm good with the heat. So, <laughs> well, well, you're you're here, and and um, we we uh, I know that you know my brother um, Seth knows you, but for our our audience out there. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name I'm my name's Chris Fry. Married my wife uh, Danielle. Um, I have three kids: Dejan, Damari, and Dania. Uh, my boys go to Kennedy Catholic. 
My daughter goes to Newcastle Christian Academy. Mm. You know, we are just your, I would say your average family. And that's, I kind of live through my family. That's what I do every day. And I'm a, I'm a father. That's my, I believe that's part of my purpose here in life is to be a father to not just my kids, but even to their, like their friends and their, their group, their, their people. Um, you know, I don't do too much. I, I like, I like, uh, as you can tell, I like the winter. I like the fall weather, you know, a little bit about me or maybe, uh, I don't do anything. I got, it's a tough question. Cause you make me think about like, what are my hobbies and things? I like eating. There you do go. You? There oh, you go. man. I love food shows. It gets me real motivated to like create something. Now, do um, you do you just watch the shows, or do you go home? Like, do you cook? It's it's funny. It's funny. I I watch the shows, and then I get like really motivated to make something. So you're looking at me laughing. <laughs> I get really motivated to make something, and then I get really mad afterwards because it's not. It doesn't fit it doesn't what you fit. saw, right? The mind's eye vision didn't happen. On TV, it looked perfect. Mm-hmm. It looked effortless. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you in your normal house, you don't have all those special ingredients. Mm-hmm. So you got to go to the store. Yeah. You got to get everything. <laughs> then you go back to do it, and yep. you just bombed it. I'm like, that looks nothing. It tastes nothing like it. it obviously, I can't taste what's on TV, but it looked like it tastes really good. Here's I another. I tell what everybody was so excited about. Here's another thing that bothers me. Because I feel the same way. Uh, uh, this is my dream job mm-hmm. right now. But if, if there was another job, it would be... Um, who was that blonde-haired guy that had the peacock that would go around to different... Guy Fieri. That's it. Yep. Uh, diners. Diners, drive and dives. If yeah. I could have another job, right, how great would that be? So, But to your point, another thing that's bothering bothersome is not only do you have to go and buy all that stuff but when they're cooking it's already like chopped and sliced and ready to go it's all in these little cute little glass bowls you ever notice that and that's when i start getting discouraged because i'm like i'm not chopping up 20 there's 20 things i need to do here i'm not doing it (laughs) so that that's what discourages me but i'm with you on the food thing out the gate you're at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. It's an hour prep time. That's right. And 15 minutes to cook. Right. And then how long to eat? How long to eat? Five seconds. Five seconds. It's <laughs> then, over. Then you got to clean up. <laughs> You're mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I get motivated. Mm-hmm. Then I get discouraged. And then I, I go you. buy pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we had a guest on here that how he likes to cook. And his, he said his wife calls him a glory cook. Meaning he, he likes to put on the big spread when everyone comes over. I oh, like yeah. that. So when we get mm-hmm. really good, we'll have a cookout and we'll call okay. it the glory the glory cook. The glory cook. Yeah. I like that. Right. Yeah, Show off it. our skills. Hmm? Yeah. Nice. It's fitting too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Church. So let me ask you this. How old are you? I'm 32. 32 years old. Um, talk to us a little bit about your influences in your life. Mm-hmm. What? Who were they? Um, what qualities do you admire in them? And then share with us a little bit about how you try to implement some of those qualities in your own life. Okay. I mean, early on, uh, I've had multiple influences, and I think that's important to say because, you know, there's diff- obviously there's different transitions that I've gone through in life that uh, somebody has kind of always, I've always looked at somebody as the influence and how to help me get through this point 
this time I'm in now. Uh, so I have to say my mom, number one. My mom was, you know, that one that was there constantly in my life and continues to be there for me day in and day out. And she showed me how to work. She showed me how to, she showed me how to uh, work and live a life of faith uh, and believing in, in Christ. Um, you know, our my bringing it wasn't easy. We were an impoverished family, lived in habitat house. You know, mm-hmm. we're transient, moving from area to area for a while there. And uh, you know, my mom's just was able her ability to endure and be persistent. Um, and raising four kids was you know. To me was I mean, she was my hero you know um i didn't need like uh superman or the hawk or michael jordan anybody to to be to inspire me to, to live day to day because there's so much more to it you know it's like it's the recipe it's what we were just talking about there's a recipe to to life just like there's an hour prep time right there's an hours and hours that are that are put in on a daily basis by that person or those people that are there with you all the time and then you can get motivated and be influenced by what you see on TV and what those other folks do. But what are you, what's their day-to-day? And that's kind of how I see those inf- influential people in my life. Mm. And I had a, uh, when I went to college, uh, Dr. Paris Baker, he was my professor. I call him my professor, my mentor. He was my, pa- he was my pastor. He was, you know, a good friend of mine. And he still, uh, to this day, is a great sounding board and um, helped me through college because, college for a young uh, underprivileged kid out of Newcastle presented a lot of challenges so in day to day again I'll go back to day to day how he lived his life as a as that person I looked at him as like to see what how do I how should I live my life here to be successful as he does mm-hmm. rather than the whole party scene and the drinking drive you know all that crazy stuff um, I looked at it as you know my purpose was to come here and, and do something with it, and, and Pastor Baker was a great example um, during that time. And then, uh, you know, I have multiple. My uncles, Pete, my Uncle Pete, my Uncle Joe, uh, and Newcastle have been great inspirations to me again. And I use them for my family, right? Mm-hmm. How do they raise their family? How do they raise... So I got multiple different influences in my life. Uh, Sorry, that's the boring answer. I don't have like the. Uh, it's cool. It's no, not I, Michael I, Jordan, but I like Michael Jordan. But it's not Michael Jordan. Did you watch his documentary? I haven't. No. No, I stream everything. My stream wasn't working. So okay. <laughs> I have to yeah. check it out. Yeah, um, I, I, I use those for my sons. Obviously, I use mm-hmm. you know examples like that for my sons. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, who's the one there day to day that you can look up to and get? Because what it boils down to, you're you're not going to go, you know. Google Michael Jordan videos every time a situation happens. Sure. You're going to call somebody. Sure. And that person that you can trust. And and that's important to have someone, the, the people who are, what I like to think about is the rhythm of your life. Mm-hmm. It's the regular everyday things that you're watching. Absolutely. Learning is not taught as much as it's caught. And so you, you looked at, and we're wise enough too, I think, and that's important, to absorb those lessons through the people closest to you. Um, one of the things I want you to tease out for, for us is you mentioned when you went to college that there were challenges that you faced that were maybe a little bit different than others. What would be an example of that? Oh, man, every day was a challenge. Uh, I, college was, number one, I had to leave home and I had to fend for myself. I had to find out. Where where did you go to college? I went to Ganey University okay. in Erie, PA. Um, 
always I'll, I'll say this you know it was the it was the the college experience you know that was the one thing back then that everybody was looking for and wanted to to get into and I I'm a firm believer there is no college experience. Life continues on and life gets harder as soon as you get to college. Mm -hmm. As soon as your parents drive off or whoever drops you off leaves, life just gets harder no matter what. The college experience is, I think, is that that it it puts you to the test in terms of are you going to – can you survive in this atmosphere? Mm -hmm. Can Mm -hmm. you hold a job? Can you be successful? Can you manage your life? Um, And I made a mistake the first – semester I was there to try to experience that you know it was you know, typical kid partying you know drinking playing video games all day and all night you know getting into the intramural sports where's the fun at mm-hmm. that was that was the the mentality that we had and it did it hit me pretty hard and there was a, a moment after my first semester where I remember going home and uh and I'm not ashamed to say it, my my grades were terrible I think I had a 1.9 GPA or something like that. I'm familiar with that GPA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're talking to a guy that's familiar with that yeah. GPA. It, 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 from I remember sitting down and reading that letter, looking at my mom, and I said, Mom, what what do I do now? Mm-hmm. And they didn't kick me out. They said, if, if you decide to come back, you got to enroll in placement classes and do and work your way out of it. And she said, you can take the easy way, come home. Work at a you know normal job here in town, and do that for until you figure it out, or you can go back and you know it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the challenge. It wasn't about college. I know college isn't for everybody. It was the challenge. Mm. It was do I run from the challenge or do I attack it head on? Huh. And I was like, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looked at my mom. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm not gonna let. This this defeat me. So I went back and I mean put my head down for the next three and a half years and came out on top. Very nice. Three point five GPA graduated with. Congratulations! Yeah. It's hard once you start like that oh, to yes. build that back up. Yep. It reminds me of a story um, when when I left high school, I went to Georgia to a small Christian school called Tacoa Falls College, and that was about 12 or 13 hours away and that was a big deal which we're not going to get into now about leaving the family and all that it was very it was a make or break moment Mm -hmm. but I remember talking to my cousin David and um, he said I want to tell you a story about when I went to school he went to I believe it was Slippery Rock and he said on the first day of freshman orientation the the guy giving the the talk had all of the freshmen get up and stand in a line when he was done Mm -hmm. and he said now I want every one of you to look to the left and I want every one of you to look to the right. And one of you will not be back next semester. And he said, and you're going, you're leaving your family. You've got a big calling on your life, but it's going to be easy for you to be one of those people that mm-hmm. never, that won't go, go back. And he said, you make sure you're one of those people that goes back. Yeah. Now, with that in mind, here's what's crazy. I only thought about that for me. But that next semester when I went back, I'd go to so-and-so's room, knock on the door, not there. The room's cleared out. Right. Now, they never said anything because I think they were embarrassed mm-hmm. that they were failing out. But it was those same kids that I saw running around acting crazy yep. that never came back. You're right. Hmm. So. so I got a question. So you talk about you don't want to run away from a challenge. I got to ask because I live in Newcastle. Mm. 
what made you look at being a mayor of Newcastle and you were like, I want to do that? You said it. It was, it was, it was a challenge. And I knew it was a challenge for the last Newcastle running for mayor. I'll give you a little back history just real quick. Um, after I graduated Gannon in 2011, I got a job in town and I was happy about it because Pittsburgh was a monster. And, you know, I just didn't find my fit in, in, in Pittsburgh. I went, mm. I got my master's degree from University of Pittsburgh in uh, social work, community organizing and administration. Um, so I, I got a job in Newcastle to start. There was a big push on community organizing and change and and uh, uh, neighborhood development. So I, I I was happy to get a get a job doing that in town because that's where I felt you know I wanted to be most influential and impact the community where I came from and uh, that I was growing up in. So you know, fast forward, a lot of conversations were being had back in 2011, 12, 13 and on about, you know, what was the problems in Newcastle and a lot of things just pointed back to the to the mayor and the leadership in the in the city. Um and no those were again, I'm a I first thing I think of is how do I solve the problem? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. how can this change? And I and automatically I just insert myself into it, mm-hmm. right? I need to fix this. Let's be a part of the change. Let's be a part of fixing it. We'll do whatever we got to do. Uh, I don't mind sacrificing um, to do it, especially when I know it came from, you know, it comes from the God. Um, it's time, a lot of time went by, and <laughs> my, my wife, she's funny. Uh, this was, what would have been 2018, October 2018, and I always talked about it, you know, baby, I'm going to run for mayor, I'm going to do it. And I always thought it was going to be when I was 55, you know, leave and come <laughs> back. My kids are graduated. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, looking for a career change before I retire, do it for three terms or something like that. And that was always the conversation. And I, one October, it was around October, I'm rolling over and waking up in the morning, getting out of bed all groggy, <laughs> my back hurting. <laughs> and I looked at her, I said, babe, you're not going to believe this. She's like, what? I said, God, I said, run for mayor. And uh, I think you're going to have him on here later at another time, but Robert Lyles mm-hmm. called Robert Lyles, and he was like, are you sure? I said, I think so, man. I said, I, anytime God tells me something, it's like, oh, yep, time to go. You know, that's, that's you want be obedient. And uh, from that point on, it, it was just, it was go. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the challenge in and knowing what we face now, Newcastle's uh, economically distressed community, three years to get out of it, mm-hmm. uh, just got a new garbage system. I mean, odds are stacked against us like no other. We're in probably one of the hardest times in Newcastle's history in terms of economic and community development. So we really have to make a push now to get out. So it wasn't coming into a seat that's glamorous. I actually joke all the time now. I say, I don't know what all these guys are so excited about. <laughs> what were these bears so excited about? What these guys, these people that ran for office? Mm-hmm. I mean, change is almost, it seems inevitable. Like, it, where yeah. is it at, you know? And um, it's and that's every day. Almost every day you're, you go into the office and, you, you know, I think about how does somebody – Somebody has a rough life, you know. I, I, we've had these. I've had those days growing up, you know, where there's no food in the refrigerator, and you look at your mom and your family. Got to go figure out where to get it from. Um, that's kind of how it feels a little bit. Huh. On, but for me, it's. I know that that faith factor that comes in. You're mm-hmm. like, and you're that 
oddly, you know, awkward optimism yeah. at the you know it's wrong time. Why are you optimistic right now when it looks like this? And but it, there's something there. Hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't see it yet. We're gonna work every day to figure it out and then uh, pray. You know, but there's something there in Newcastle, and I believe it. That's really cool. Um, before we get get to the next question, I do have one more thing I want to ask that's not on the paper, so I apologize for this being like a curveball. And throughout that whole process of running for mayor, which personally I think the running for mayor part, in my mind, would be more scary than actually being mayor because um, you see in like TV shows or movies, whenever you run for public office, all of a sudden that's when everyone's like eyes are on you. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the biggest challenge that you faced personally um while you were running for mayor biggest challenge i faced um it was you know it it wasn't necessarily the, you know all the, all the eyes on me it was more just a challenge in, in doing it in mm-hmm. running uh had no clue what a campaign consisted of uh i think i had 250 dollars in my pocket and i <laughs> <laughs> you were just like I looked at my wife. I said, and I had to ask for you know, babe. Can I can I have that two hundred fifty dollars? I think I need to buy signs or something to put up. And that was the most shocking part of the whole conversation so far. Yeah, <laughs> you did this oh, I had on two hundred fifty dollars. Let's just nothing. get a high five, dude. I had nothing. That's amazing. Now, as time went on, you know, we were able to raise money and things like that. Right, but you know. I, I mean, I had to Google what is a campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, so, you're on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. How do I do this? Yeah, I had to watch videos and stuff. So, I mean, I've really had nothing. It was just when they say step out in faith, mm-hmm. that's all it was. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was um, along the way God, you know, I had faith and God presented the opportunities and, and, and brought opportunities to me. Great advisors, again, like I said, Robert mm-hmm. Lyles. A gentleman by the name of Eric Francis had no clue who Eric Francis was. Do we need to have him on the show? You probably could. He's a, he's a great guy, um, politically minded. You know, good. You know, just smart guy. And I I, I had no clue who he was I was knocking on doors, and I don't even remember how we contacted. And I mean, he just gave me the whole scenario. This mm-hmm. is how it works. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to do. And it was when you meet him, you he looks like Rocky, and then I look like Creed. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for all those listening, you can't see this. Don't look at my Facebook pictures. So it was like a Rocky. It was you know you had you have to have fun with it. Yeah. Right. It was like a Rocky Creed thing politically. <laughs> so it was um, fun, but he he gave me the game the strategy. That's why I said mm-hmm. it. it was like the strategy to do so. And a lot of it was knocking on doors. What mm-hmm. do you do? What do you say? And mm-hmm. be yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what, exactly what we did. And you know, at the end, you know, we uh, we were able, end up able. I was end up ended up raising nine thousand um, dollars. Family, friends, actually, one contributor gave me five, so it was like I really only raised four. Um, and my opponent spent almost like sixty, maybe even more, some thousand dollars. So. Again, it was that f- just stepping out in faith. Hmm. That's a fantastic story. Yeah. It really is. And the, the challenge was was my daily life because I still worked three jobs and raised my kids. That's incredible. Baseball. That was the challenge. 
That's incredible. Was not for me. Everything was don't let it impact my family. Right. So it was, you know, after being up for 24 hours, I probably should go hit some doors for five to eight hours. So I'll go hit doors, mm -hmm. you know, do it at a time where, you know, there was managed. So managing it. So it didn't affect my family was the biggest challenge for me. Well, I, I can tell you as, a, as an outsider, again, living in Newcastle, I was under the impress. Like, I'm completely shocked by all of that. Like, the fact that you just like got up one day and you were just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Cause the way you handled it, the way that I, I saw you run, it seemed like you'd been preparing for that for years. And you finally were like, okay, I'm ready now. Cause you, and the, how much money you had in your pocket when you started out, it's just mind blowing to me. And it's really inspiring too. Um, Cause, and I think it's also a huge testimony to the fact that, um, people loved you because you were just you mm -hmm. like that's one of the reasons why i love you and there's and i was so glad to see you um run for mayor and i knew you were going to win this because you were authentic and i think that's the most one of the most important qualities in any leadership role is authenticity and that's definitely thank you and I, I listen I, I really appreciate that and i love you too oh thanks sir um oh I, a little I, bromance yeah, a little bromance. Bromance. bromance from newcastle on, on, the, on the podcast <laughs> um but th this is the I guess, my, you know, if I had to think of a message for, and I'm going a little off script too, but if I had to think of a message for politicians and themselves is you have to be authentic. Mm -hmm. You have to. And I look at the, the landscape, you know, the political landscape now, and I have to get the get an opportunity to talk to, I got a chance to go down to the president. I got a chance to get a chance to talk to senators and congressmen and, and, st and, house, and representatives, state representatives. And that's the, you know, that's the challenge in itself too. Mm. is listen get out of your office right and go talk to the people right go talk like mm -hmm. that that should never be a thing that you do you know you, you should never avoid that that shouldn't people. be a last resort that should not be the right. last resort right and i think what happens is is people start out like this mm -hmm. right they they understand that there's that connection and i need to get <clears> with people and and listen to people and then what happens is over time you get so hung up it's like you lose that vision right um um so don't lose that vision yeah here i want to explore a little bit more about what you're actually doing right now so one of the things i tell people is is the higher you the higher you you climb in leadership the, the leadership ladder the more people you influence, but also the more folks will, you will be more, um, more people will criticize you. Mm -hmm. uh, how have you dealt with criticism? Uh, depends on how it comes in. You know, we get a lot of, you know, you get a lot of uh, criticism that kind of is unjustified. So those are the ones you just let it roll off. You're like, you know, or you, you come, you provide accurate information. Um, you know, I, I love my enemies just like I love the ones, you know, that love me. You know, anybody that comes, I just offer always, and I did it in the campaign too, offer the opportunity to come sit down and talk. You know, most criticism is from folks who either don't know or have never met me or don't know what, you know, we have never even had a conversation. Um, so I, I looked at all criticism early on as just, you know, Maybe it's ignorance. You know? Sure. So here's an opportunity for us to learn from one another. If we, if you're willing, like I'm willing to sit down and talk. Mm -hmm. Never said that we're not going to have differences. Mm -hmm. I never said that we're not going to do that. But there's an opportunity to sit down and talk. 
and right. having that open door policy and, and looking for those opportunities um, are it. Uh, criticism towards me in particular, you know, things that I do, I know that they're going to come, you know, I don't, I didn't, I didn't come in the office thinking that I was going to make every right decision or, uh, I knew that there was going to be things that I did wrong. Hmm. And I think accepting that and knowing that it kind of helps even, you know, help me make right decisions more hmm. often than not, because I know that there's an opportunity and I look at everything as, you know, let's do, let's be diligent in our decisions and not be impulsive and just, you know, making bad decisions. So, uh, I look at, there's a lot of criticism. Um, with Newcastle's, the situations that we're in economically and in, with the garbage and the, and the changes in the garbage system, we've had to take a role. We've, we, were, we inherited a lot of it. Um, but what we inherited, the way it's managed, it all falls on, on me, mm-hmm. right? It all falls on me and my administration. So... At this point, the criticisms are ours. You know, well, he didn't inherit it. Yeah, we we inherited, but how are we managing it? How are we working with these parts? So those are like a lot of that stuff. You know, we want people to know. You know, I want I want people to see how things are progressing and working. You know, and when there is a problem, how we approach it in terms of fixing it. We we don't. I don't. You know, just jump in and get frantic about it. You know, we take we piece it down. We. we it's always relationships, and I know that was in my campaign. One of the big things in my campaign is relationships. It's trying to keep strong relationships. So, you know, it's very tense. It's a very hard, uh, tough position to be in. The, the the light is the spotlight is on us in everything that we do. But uh, bringing a team mentality, that team focus into the city hall really helps kind of curb the, mm-hmm. the criticisms a lot uh, because we, we were able to make good decisions. Yeah. I, I like the approach of what I'm hearing you say in terms of having the open door policy when there's a, a criticism is um, the, the book of James talks about being slow to speak mm-hmm. and quick to hear. Mm-hmm. And you, you've heard this, but people, the saying is, is God gives us two ears and one mouth right. for a reason. So to look at the criticisms, which you know, as as you go up the ladder of leadership, it's, mm-hmm. it's part of the, the deal. People are going to criticize you sometimes, mostly unjustly. But having that that mindset is really creating an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very wise. So when you see the criticism you look at it as this is an opportunity to connect, right? Correct. And so I think when you sit down with somebody, maybe not 100%, but 90% of that gets diffused because they're hearing where you're coming from um, and, and why you came to that decision. And, and, and what happens is, is when you sit with somebody, you widen the door mm-hmm. for understanding. Right. And, and I think that's a really, uh, really cool uh, approach. I think so, too. Right. Um, so, in your opinion, what do you think the world needs most right now? Jesus. Yeah, say more. Jesus. I think the world just needs, um, and I don't want you know. It's it's got to be careful with you know, you know. That we know that there's religions and different different views and different viewpoints, and in my position. I made it very clear 
to a lot of folks who, and I got messages about um, um, the person being homosexual or what do you think about, you know, all these different, you know, um, ways of living. And I, I t- here's my answer. I'm a social worker, right? I go to work to look. I mean, that was what I, I my, my, my passion in life was to understand people, be empathetic towards other folks. Um, to understand differences and, and treat everybody with dignity and respect, uh, so I don't I don't say I say Jesus because I believe Jesus is is the way, the truth, and the light. Um, and we want we want our world. We, I want Newcastle to emulate the kingdom of God, mm. and the reason I want that is because what's better, right? Right. Give me something that's better. Mm-hmm. When you, when you walk in here, you, you'll see the we have a really nice, uh, what is it, a monument? I don't know, to the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just think about what you're saying. Don't steal. Yeah. Right? Problem solved. Uh, don't murder. Problem solved. Right. And so the more that our communities can reflect that, the better our communities will be. Problem right? solved. Problem solved. Right. You're going to get, it, that might be a great sermon title for me in the future yeah. just, it's problem, problem solved, solved. problem yeah. solved i mean problem that's solved. that's how and that's just that's me you know not in again you gotta i'm always think of like the net who's who, what's the challenge question right mm-hmm. there's we're always we're sinners so there's going to be those things but when you truly give your life to christ um and you truly begin to walk in in his light i think as you mature and as you grow in, in your faith uh but you got to make that concerted effort hmm. first. You have to make that concerted effort to get there. I just think, you know, new like again, Newcastle is. I want that to be it. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the goal. There's, your, there's your vision. There's the vision. I want it to be to emulate the kingdom of God. And again, show me something better. Right. Exactly. If you got some, show me something better. But at this point, and for the rest of my life, I'm believing in the kingdom of God. I like it. It's cool. So it's let cool. me let me turn the corner here um, to get on something a little bit lighter. Tell me about your hobbies. What, what does t- what does Chris Fry do to unplug? What, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? So first, I have three kids, so a lot of my time is spent with them. So number one, I go either work out, uh, go to baseball games take little mini trips on the weekends me and my family um how old are your kids my sons are my oldest son he's 15 and then 14 he'll be 14 in august and then my daughter's four years old so you have two boys that two are boys. pretty close in age mm-hmm. are they getting to the point where they're as like big and strong as dad or they they think they are uh my older son and i'm not gonna let him hear this segment he is very strong He's been strong. He's he's kind of the you know the ox kid. You know when he was eight, he punched me one time. We were playing around. I said, "Dude, don't if you hit me one more time, like it, it, it makes you feel like yeah, you just right. got attacked by a grown man." I said, <laughs> and now that he's bigger, like his hands are bigger than right. me. He's as tall as me. So is that weird as a dad? <laughs> because weird. I watch my son Carmen. He'll be six, and he's he's one of those wiry, very strong. Mm-hmm. He's very strong, very strong. Yeah, and like when I wrestle around. I have to use a little bit of effort, yes. you know, and it's it's weird to me to see that 
that ratchet up on him. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, how weird is it going to be where I have to secretly keep inside, like, you're stronger than me now, yeah. but I can't let you know. Is that a weird vibe as, as a father to look it's, at that? It's very weird. You have to be very secure in yourself because it's almost like being back at the playground. Wow. Right? When you're that young mm-hmm. kid trying to grow up and be the most athletic one, but you're mm-hmm. not yet. Mm-hmm. You're playing with the 18-year-old, and <laughs> then your son comes out, and now I'm 30, and I'm going downhill, and you're like, yeah, let's go play basketball. And then he dunks on you, and you're yeah. like, yep, let me get off the court. Right. <laughs> so you got to be really secure yourself where it could mm-hmm. bring you back into that mix. But, my, yeah, it's wait, just wait. Because you can't be like that Al Bundy dad that's always trying to outdo no. your son. You can't do that. No, yeah. no. Yeah. No, that that's a recipe for disaster. So I, just, I and you do that, and it's very embarrassing because mm-hmm. he's sixteen, mm-hmm. his testosterone or fourteen, fifteen, his testosterone is booming. He's eyes level to you, and he's about to be potentially the next star in basketball at his high school, and you're going downhill <laughs> very slowly. <laughs> I mean, that's reality, Here's right? It's a future vision for all, all the dads out there. So <laughs> I mean, we want to encourage you here at the Leader to Leader podcast. <laughs> you're, you're going, the reality is you're going downhill, and you're not going to the gym five to seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get testosterone shots, but, yeah, that's on you. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So you just, it's, yeah, it's the best, best thing to do is just step back and be the dad. Mm-hmm. Show Michael Jordan videos, right? <laughs> and and your daughter, you said, was how old? She's four. Okay, going on fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> going on fifteen. Yeah. And yeah, she's in the <laughs> gymnastics, and she's very. I mean, having two older brothers, she's a feisty little one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they look out for her? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, very close knit. They, uh, we're all again. That's the joys. That's that's my hobby. Is I'm with my family. Go home to them. We hang out. My personal hobby, I, I turn the lights off, no TV, and I sit in the living room. Mm-hmm. And then they come down like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is, this is it. That's what you do. I have, listen, we may have to edit this out too, but I have a Christmas tree up in my house. It's up all year. And um, you know the little, the little glow of the lights? Uh-huh. I don't know what it is, but I find so much solitude in that. Love it. And I will sit at the end of the night when the kids are in bed, and I'll find myself just, I stare at the wall, mm-hmm. right? And I, I don't know what that is. Maybe you're just so busy all day mm-hmm. and engaged with so many people that you kind of just zone out. Yeah. But I, I find myself doing that, too. I've had a few parishioners that were like, hey, I want to stop by your house, but no lights were on. I'm like, ah, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. There's night light on. <laughs> That's how you do it. No, I think it's very important, especially you know you guys are pastors, and if you if you can't disconnect or unplug and get out of get away from just the craziness of life, I sit. I just some. I sit there and I'll. Th- I don't even know what I'm thinking. I might think about mm-hmm. hamburgers and French fries mm-hmm. for all. You know, mm-hmm. it's or just, sometimes you you, just, you don't. You don't. You, you just know, unplug. You just, Sit and just make those that opportunity to reflect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that's the leadership. You have to be able to reflect on you know what your what yesterday was and what you're going to do today, and just kind of just let it all go. I think you yeah. need that. I mean, that's kind of why we we tend to always look at the keep a Sabbath day holy commandment as like, oh, that was that's for back then. But mm-hmm. no, that was the whole idea that God <clears throat> had for the Sabbath was just to put. To kind of just take a break from everything and just 
reflect and just let your brain and your body just kind of relax. And uh, I think especially in our in our modern culture with everything we got going on with computers and phones and everything like mm-hmm. that, it's so hard to do that. And I don't think it's there is a um, I don't think there is it's a coincidence that since we've kind of gotten away from that whole Sabbath rest or just turning everything off that you see things like anxiety going sky high, depression going sky high. It's because we're never letting our brains stop. I mean, maybe I should, because I don't... You should be a psychologist. (laughs) Well, even when you read the Gospels, you see see Jesus retreating. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. He would unplug. So if our goal, and this is one of my... This is how I would describe my vision, is my vision is simply to follow the leader, capital L. And so if I see my leader doing it, then it's probably good for me to do it. Right. You know, but um, you've had a lot of different experiences in your life, right? Um, you've stepped out in faith to do some things that other people wouldn't think that you would do or able to do. Tell us about a time that you did something, but you didn't succeed. You failed. And then mm-hmm. tell us the lesson or lessons you learned in that failure. Yeah. I mean, I kind of gave that with, with college. And I won't go down. I won't tell that story again. But in general, to failure, I think failure. Like I was this morning, a friend of my of my wife and I is uh, is going through some stuff, and I was out outside, and my neighbor he had some questions about a property, and had a guy come look at our driveway, uh, give us a quote, and a friend of ours pulled up and. You know, needed to talk real quick, and I just said, you know, give her, you know, what's going on? And a part of our conversation was failure. Um, this particular person lost her job, was is going through some hard times, and I looked at her and said, and she said, I'm showing you, you know, I put all these applications in, educated, you know, was a manager, coordinator, so has leadership potential and and skills and showing me well I applied all these jobs and this place won't keep me and this place won't keep me and this place won't keep me and I looked at her I said oh okay did they did did somebody say did anybody ever tell us that we weren't going to fail or that we were everything was just going to be given to us I said that's a part of life well I don't want to end up back where I was you know and living in in housing or things like that and I said, or food stamps I said did anybody say that that couldn't happen to us? Mm. I said, once we get out of that that frame of mind, we can't, re, you know, go backwards. And but that does something to our our abilities and skills and talents that God give, has given us. And I'm not saying do that or go back there and just be comfortable with it and okay with it. But nobody said you we couldn't fail. I think failure is a part of life and it is part of what we need to do to to learn and to get to the next level. Um, I fail every day. Ask my wife. <laughs> Ask my kids. I fail every day. I I can't tell you how many you know off the wall things I do, or I say, or I don't do, and and do do. You know, um, ask my staff. I fail every day. You know, make a wrong decision. I think what you it's what you do with it after the fact. If you continue to let that stuff happen and you you get comfortable with it, uh, but you gotta expect failure. I think you gotta know that failure is gonna is gonna present itself at some point, um, or else you just I think you you fall into it and, and it becomes a way of life and you get stuck there. Uh, so college was that was that big one that sophomore year. 
I mean, I failed miserably. And then before that, in high school, I failed miserably on my SATs. And then after, I, I remember... Since, since we shared a similar GPA, could you share your SAT score? Just because I'll share mine oh, after. Oh, I bet you mine is way worse than yours. Do you think so? Yours. Absolutely. Go ahead. I'll tell you the whole situation. Well... Mom, I, I, I think mine was... If I recall correctly, mine was like a 600. Okay, I slightly beat you. I had a 680. Oh, But it's man. still sad. We're yeah. both sad. But look look at us now. With and determination and what Jesus can do. Right. And it exactly. wasn't it wasn't exactly. it wasn't that we it wasn't intelligent. I have a master's degree, right? Yeah. I, I did the work. I failed. Mm-hmm. I look back and I know I failed. Didn't take SAT prep classes. I tell my sons they're set they're going to ninth and tenth grade. They're start we we started SAT prep last year. I failed. I did not do what I needed to do. I had a rough night the night before. Personal choices that I made, that I didn't go to sleep. I didn't prepare. It's preparation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I think the the way you limit, I don't want to say eliminate, you limit failure is preparation. You mm-hmm. prepare for what you're going through, your challenges. You wake up every day. You set those goals. I, I taught um, goal setting for years with youth on juvenile probation and I do it every day with my kids now you set those goals and you prepare for it it's like my sons they I said <clears throat> they play baseball baseball's like a perfect sport you're like you have to prepare if you don't hit four days out of the week and you go play on Saturday you're not hitting the ball hmm. or the, your chances you're, I mean, you already only have you're, you're, you're a pro if you hit you know 30% right so you have to, you're already at a disadvantage. So you have to prepare for, you know, to limit your fail, the opportunity to fail. So, yeah, I I wasn't a dumb kid. I just didn't prepare. And looking back, I look at that like, wow, man, you really didn't. So now it, it helps me today. Be prepared for your situations. Mm-hmm. Be mm-hmm. prepared for your opportunities. Be prepared when you get here. And that's and when I reflect and I, I decompress and don't do anything and turn the lights off that's a part of preparation mm-hmm. my mind mm-hmm. my body my spirit being in sync and, and being fresh minded mm-hmm. so when you go into situations I'm ready I like that I'm victory ready. victory loves preparation victory loves preparation I like it best friends huh yeah, we should yeah. get T-shirts yeah. that say "Victory loves preparation." That's a Latin. I like it. That's a Latin phrase. I, I don't remember how to say it in Latin, but on my business card, mm-hmm. I actually have that on the front. Oh, do you? When, when we're I done like here, if, if someone's got to remind me, I'll probably forget. Now I'll, I'll see if I have one in my office, okay. and I'll give it to you. That's a good. I like that. It's very cool. Very cool. All right. Do you want to ask? Yeah, I got a couple cool more boy. quick ones. All right, sure, just fun. for fun. Yeah. Yep. We're sitting here. You're thirty. 32. 32. We're sitting here 15 years from now. Uh, where do you see yourself? Where do I see myself? Hopefully traveling the world eating food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, that's the, the dream life, right? Um, What's a bucket list country that you want to go to and eat? Italy. Italy? You know, I always wanted to find, like, the grandma of somebody mm-hmm. and just go sit in her house. That's a great that's a great vision right there. Go to the Nani's house. The Nani's house. Yeah. It's just her, me, 
I don't care. Could be her husband or whatever. We're just hanging <laughs> we'll out. Invite him. My too. wife. You know, we're just hanging out, <laughs> wine and just authentic, mm-hmm. just in like a nice deck, right? And this, in the urban area, I don't want a beach or anything. I want an urban, like sit out on a deck, like a, and just. That is really cool. No words. I like it. It has to be the. Ref- it has to be quiet, right? Yeah, I like <laughs> just that. Sit there. Mm-hmm. What's the meal, or is it whatever she cooks? Um, whatever. Okay. Something Italian. All right. You know, I'm from Virginia. We didn't have like spaghetti down there. Can I tell you a story Pasta. about when I would drive to Georgia? Yeah. I'd go through. I think West Virginia. And our goal was to. It was me and my best friend. And so our goal every time was to get there as quickly as possible, mm-hmm. right? It's the guy thing. Like, we got there in 13 hours, and now we got to beat it. So we never, we never really, we had certain stops we knew we had to stop at. But as we were getting ready to graduate, we were like, we should take in a little more. And so we would always pass this um, gas station, but next to it was a restaurant. And it said authentic Italian. I was like, how is there an authentic Italian restaurant in West Virginia? We're in the hills. So I remember we walked in there and it was not authentic. And we stopped at another place near there after. And I said, "Um, what do you think about that authentic restaurant over there? And the guy, he was very hillbilly, he looked at me and said, that's not real food. I said, oh, really? I said, well, what is real food? Because well, my mom's 100% mm-hmm. Italian, my dad's 100% Greek. So now it was like you said, so let's yeah. let's open the door. Let's widen the, the gate here. The spectrum. Yeah. And he looked at me and said, real food? Hot dogs and hamburgers. Yeah. And I was like, that is real food. Yeah. <laughs> I knew my stay was going to be short there. We got <laughs> up and got out. Hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> All right, so that's looking forward. Now let's look back. You, well, I don't, that wasn't 15 years. I was, that was the bucket list dream. I got gotcha. you. I wanted to say this because this is if if I always think if if a youth hears this, I think mm-hmm. it's important for them. Again, just like going into the mayorship, I don't think the Holy Spirit works that way. So I kind of leave my options open. I want whatever God has for me to do in 15 okay. years. So kind of like one of those the prayer that Jesus prayed. In the night of uh, Gethsemane, right? Mm-hmm. If you could take this cup from me, I'm yeah. happy for you to take it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, not my will, but your will, your be, will done. be done. Okay, that's heavy. So let's let's do the opposite now. Let's let's go back to when you were ten year old Chris Fry. Mm-hmm. If you had a chance to talk to your ten year old self, what advice would you give? Learn. Learn as much as you can. Take that time as a youth where you don't have very many responsibilities. You have, I mean, your options are open to whatever and learn it. Uh, For myself, as a youth, we we had a lot of challenges growing up, you know, impoverished and, you know, just had, you know, we were, it was a tough situation for us. But, and I, I, I do this today with my sons. I just talked to my, you know, my 13-year-old. I said, what are you learning? Right? You're not in school right now. You just went through the whole quarantine. Like, what are you learning? And I, I, I focus, like, they love, they listen to a lot of music. They play their video games. They're kids. But you put, they put themselves in, you know, they're closed-minded. And they, they 
And I just tell him, I said, buddy, take this time to learn. I mean, you could be 18 years old and be financial, you know, trading stock or something, you know. You could be 18 years old and, and know how to uh, partially build a house or, or do something amazing with well, especially since I mean, you have the internet, you have you between oh, Google man. and YouTube. There's so many things. You, I just learned what the stock market was the first time, like two or three days ago, huh? from just YouTubing it. Yeah. It was like I would have never have learned this if it wasn't for YouTube. So I don't know. Like the time is time I'm, is now. Yeah, I'm doing what I that ten year old question. Mm-hmm. I'm doing what it, at, t- at ten years old mm-hmm. I should have been doing. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it now at 32. So that's what I would tell a 10-year-old. Listen, man, (laughs) I know YouTube, TikTok, all that stuff is fun. But I'm telling you, I'm not too far off from being being y'all's age. Learn it. What do you – I'm not saying that that's your career, that's your life, or that's your dream job or anything like that. Just go learn it. Like, I I went – I go now at, like – so I work at a hotel, and it's very slow. It's like an evening job on the weekends. You're talking about Jefferson Motel at downtown Newcastle. No. <laughs> <laughs> Quality Inn Hotel in Chicago. Well, I work evenings there, and I've been there for four years. It's it's one of those gigs that you know you went and got just because you you know you can you can get it, and and it's a part time job. I like I work. That's mm-hmm. what I do. I mm-hmm. work. I work. I work. I work. I work. Family, kids, family. You know, being a mayor. It's, uh, it's just the way I'm wired. But I spend my time there. You know. Studying, I, I, I've learned hotels, hospitality, just, you know, it's the nature of the job. I spend a lot of, the, like, stock market. Dude, I've been, I've, I created my own 12-week stock market learning process. I spent, like, 16 hours a week learning it. It's it's fascinating. Very I, fascinating. I would have never, I, again, I knew, what the, I knew there was a stock market. I knew it sometimes crashes. And things go bad, <laughs> but I had no idea how it worked. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I'm not even kidding. I YouTubed it, and I watched like a 20 minute video, and I'm like, I learned more from that mm-hmm. than I did in all of my years in high school. Yep, I have my investments. I have my 401k. I'm, I think I make good financial decisions based on you know questions I ask. But cool. I'm, I, the stock market very interesting. I got so excited the other day. I traded something for like 20 bucks. And my wife was like, what are you laughing at? I was like, get in the case. I was like, I just traded some stock and I got 20 bucks off of it. <laughs> I'm like super excited. And she looks at me, she's like, oh, okay. And I, it's like my birthday money. You know? Well, before we, we wrap up, um, is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, I just, you know, God bless everybody. You know, we have to live a life that we're all in, in a challenging time and all of our lives are presented with challenges. And I feel like that was the the topic of today. How do we overcome? Mm-hmm. You know, we overcome situations uh, day in and day out. Um, we, we were presented with, with challenges day in and day out. I just want to encourage everybody to, you know, stick to it. I want to encourage everybody to lay it at the Lord's feet. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming out to our uh, Engage podcast. This is our uh, limited special edition series, Leader to Leader, where we take community leaders such as yourself, and we we feel like giving you a platform for people to get to know you better, Mm -hmm. 
um, to get to know your values, your ethics, um, to see what you're all about gives a greater insight um, for for the group out there, for, for our, our, the audience. And we wish you uh, all the best of luck. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure. Thank you. All right, y'all. All right, did I not tell you that was an amazing episode? Oh, man, I, I love Chris so much. I got to find a reason to get people like him, Michael Muha, Michael Joanno, just all these great people we've had on. I got to get them back on here again because I could just hear them talk all day long. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Listen, if you enjoyed this, there's no better way to get the word out than just to share this with somebody else. Share the link. Share if you're on YouTube. Leave a comment. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. Just get the word out about what you've heard here today. Um, and don't forget, subscribe to the page. That way you can get notifications. Also, subscribe to our YouTube account. YouTube channel. I keep saying account. I don't know why. Subscribe to our YouTube page. That way you can be a guest on this very show or get a book signed by me and Pastor Anthony. And uh, we'll be back to check with you. By the way, I almost forgot. If you were, if you heard that clicking sound in the background at the very beginning of the show, what that was is the the um, the. Um, the Herald, the newspaper, uh, came actually, they came here to take some pictures and kind of like see what we're all about. So that was pretty cool. Um, so that's what that clicking was. But you guys need to come back next week to check out who our next guest is going to be. We're going to have, I'm not going to tell you. You just have to come and just check it out. All right. Sorry to do that to you. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. We're praying for you. Goodbye. <laughs>